Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, thank you, Mr. Kelly, and welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now, you can call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You can get in line, questions, comments, or concerns. And thanks for having me on your show. And we can talk about plant selection. Yes, you still have plenty of time to install trees and shrubs. We're kind of getting on the iffy end of planting perennials, of planting uh, ground covers, uh, annuals. Hmm, I certainly wouldn't do that. But uh, trees and shrubs, you got plenty of time to do that. Um but you also have time to plant those spring flowering bulbs. There's no hurry. There's no rush. You can do that all the way up until the ground freezes. One thing, too, though, leave your roses alone. Don't start cutting back your roses until we have a really hard freeze. And a lot of times that doesn't happen until basically early December. Why? Because you want the roses to understand it's time for them to go to sleep. Your edibles, your houseplants. You know, speaking of houseplants, I've started migrating mine towards the basement door. We have a walkout basement, and uh, as the migration happens, I stop, you know, I stop watering them because some of the pots stupidly are so big and they're so heavy, and I'm getting so old, I don't know if I can lift them anymore. But uh, so that's happening, and also using insecticidal soap which you mix up in water and pouring it onto the surface of your potting mix, that will help control any kind of insects that are on the surface of your soil. You can do that as a spray for the above on the underside of the leaves. Make sure you spray that before you bring them in as well. And your roses, trees, shrubs, water gardens, Make sure that if uh, your vines, if you want to cut back some vines, speaking of vines, my moonflower vines, uh, some of the foliage is looking a little bit rough, so I'm going to start cutting that back. I like to sort of like winterize my landscape uh, sort of a small step at a time. And I don't like for, you know, to wait for certain things until the frost kills them because things kind of go downhill anyway. So I just, you know, cut it back, you know, like I said, some little bit at a time. And um, remember, my answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path, but strictly offered for you to consider. Greg, again, is producing, as he did the first hour. And during the week, I do, and on Saturdays, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk, where I answer the questions that you may have. I take a look around and uh, just absolutely enjoy. I've I've been into some great yards, and (laughs) some people have some very creative ideas. And it's, it's just nice to see. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. My email address and phone number is on the homepage. So now a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 
888-900-3344. Tip of the trial, first of all, I happen to like Halloween decorations. So uh, there are some, like I said, very creative people with their Halloween decorations. So a tip of the trial goes out to all those people that entertain me as I'm walking down to Snooks or wherever I happen to be walking through the neighborhood and you know up to Walgreens. Or, I mean, <laughs> there are some really neat things. Certain things I don't necessarily care for. The big inflatable things, they're great, but, uh, you know, it's not exactly my style. But uh, lights and stuff like that, we have some ghosts that we're shooting up onto the side of our house. And Tracy's done some nice, you know, decorations on our screen and porch. So that's nice as well. And also for Halloween, the, guess what, Sophia M. Sachs Butterfly House in Faust Park. Faust Park is on Olive, you know, in Chesterfield, north of Highway 40. They have Booterfly, in other words, not Butterfly, Booterfly, B-O-O-T-E-R-F-L-Y. The Booterfly House, there's all kinds of great things going on in there. So the Butterfly House has been transformed into Booterfly House for October with daily activities and featured events. Visitors can meet frightful new friends, like in the Scorpion's Lair and all kinds of other things. So that's really considered doing that. And also, along with the butterflies, they all have costumes on, of course. And uh, there's some carnivorous plants feeding going on. So all kinds of great stuff as well. So all the people that did direct decorations in their yard and then also the Butterfly House in Faust Park, which is just a fun, great place to go to. Not only just for the scary stuff like Halloween, but year-round. So... Let's see. Why don't we just go ahead and take a break, and then we'll be back to take all kinds of calls. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Just as a reminder, folks, you realize that the Butterfly House in Faust Park, that is part of the Missouri Botanical Garden. So if it's not some big event or something like that, if you're a Botanical Garden member, you can get in for free. Now, the special events, that's going to cost everybody some money. But if you want more information about the Butterfly House, go to www.butterflyhouse.org or 636-530-0076. So lots of different crazy stuff, as I said before. The Butterfly House is going to have this month. Ron lives in Godfrey, Illinois. Ron, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Mike. Hey, I want to know the pros and cons of burning off zoysia grass. Basically, days of old, which maybe in Godfrey you can do it. You can't do it within the city or the county in St. Louis. But what that did is gets rid of thatch. So that's the advantage of doing it. And, you know, in the day, that's why a lot of the problems, you know, associated came as a result of no longer burning. But if you power rake, if you dethatch, you're getting rid of the problem anyway. It's just your yard is not black for, you know, quite a considerable amount of time. All right. I uh, appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, so again, it's just getting rid of the thatch. It doesn't do anything because the crowns of the plants are below ground. It doesn't burn them off. It's just, you know... I had a great aunt and uh, lived in actually in the city right off Hampton. And every year they burned their zoysia for sure. And they had the best zoysia in the world. At least that's what I thought as a kid. Let's go now to Creve Corps into Lee's yard. Hi, Lee. Good morning. Hi. You mentioned early on that 
<clears throat> excuse me, if you bring a plant in, you should apply a few days ahead of time a fungus, something to combat fungus gnats. Right, like an insecticidal soap. I mean, you can use any kind of insecticide you want to. But the fungus gnats, you know, they, like I said, they, the females the, or males, they live only for three days or so. But, the, you know, the eggs are laying there, and it could be, okay, I've killed all the adults. I don't see anything. But there still could be eggs in your potting mix. So just be prepared, you know, if you start to see some fung- you know, fungus gnats, you know, to go ahead and have some more insecticidal soap and just pour it, you know, mix it up and just pour it on the surface, and that will kill the, uh, the adults too. And you said every other day for what? Yeah, for, a you know, so? a couple of days because probably I would do it for a week. And that's <clears throat> not going to guarantee you're going to get rid of them, but that should really reduce the potential population down a lot. And just have some available that's so you can apply it, you know, later on if you start to see fungus gnats again. Thank you. And now when we bring a hibiscus plant in, do we feed that through the winter? No, don't feed no. anything in the wintertime unless it's, uh, I shouldn't say anything, but for the most part, minimize fertilizing. If you do fertilize because you feel like you need to, half-label rate. That's basically it. But things like poinsettias, you want to fertilize. Anything that's, you know, even though the hibiscus may flower, it's, you know, as far as don't fertilize it because you can force some growth that it's not able to support. And hibiscus inside is going to drop a heck of a lot of leaves. If you brought them inside before, just, you know, you realize that. No, this is the first time. And then watering is keep the soil moist? No, don't keep it moist. Uh, probably let it go, have a tendency to let it grow go dry as long as the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So look on the inside of the pot, wait till the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot so there's a small gap there, you know, like an eighth an inch or something like that. Then water, then don't water again until that gap shows up. Okay, very good. Very helpful. Great. Thank you so much. Yep, good luck with that. And, yeah, a real, again, the hibiscus are going to drop all kinds of leaves all winter long. Let's go into Linda's yard, and Linda lives in Afton. Hi, Linda. Good morning. I love your show. I've got a question about these toadstools. I looked out the window, and there's like 100 in my yard. Right. How do I get rid of these things? Uh, don't worry about them. I mean, they're ugly and everything else. You can, you know, go out there and kick them if you want to. Basically, toadstools or any of that kind of stuff, they're growing off dead plant material. So either there's dead roots underneath the ground, that's what they're growing off of, or they're growing off thatch because you haven't dethatched your lawn. But the, the gentleman that lives right across the street from me, he had, he had some that really were hideous looking. They were tall, ugly, and what he has is a street tree. He has a silver maple that is in a state of decline. So I, he asked me what's going on here. And I said, well, probably the root system of this maple tree, which is only about 15 or 20 feet away, has, is dying, and that's what the toadstools are growing off of. But they don't grow off anything living or anything else, so none of that stuff you need to worry about other than the aesthetic problems. So I don't need to get a, like a fungicide? or No, 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 don't bother. Don't bother. Yeah, I mean, they're ugly to look at, but like I said, go out and kick them or something, and you can have fun doing that. I thought that might make them spread more. No, no, no. They spread because of what's underneath the ground, not what's on, on top of the ground. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate your show. Certainly. Well, I appreciate you having me on your show. And let's see if we can get one more. We can get a couple more calls in. Grant lives in Chesterfield. Grant, how are you? Well, we're doing just fine. I had two large sweet gum trees taken out in the front between the sidewalk and the street. And uh, 
they were taken out, the roots ground out, the stumps ground out, everything. But it was the wrong time of year. It was hard to plant grass, so it was just kind of a mess there for till we got into the fall here. And so we uh, worked in the soil and planted grass, and the grass came through great. And I know you have to keep watering, so I kept watering. But now I've, I think I've overdone it because in both places where the trees were, we've got this ugly fungus that comes up and spreads. It comes a little like uh, almost starts with a little flower, flat cauliflower looking. Mm-hmm. And I know it's from the roots, but uh, right. when I the problem is. You can take it out with a little hand shovel, uh, but what happens, you take out all the grass comes with it because the grass has grown right through it, so exactly. I get all these bare spots. Can anything that can just kill that? Because I, if I have to pull them all back out, I'm going to have a lot of bare spots all over where I planted. It's my fault. I guess I overwatered for the grass, and they took off. You did not overwater. You did probably everything just right. It's just the fact there is a lot of wood there, and there's a lot of dead. Even if they grind the stump out and everything else, there's still wood there where you put the soil, where you're growing your grass. And this stuff is just growing on, like I just explained to the lady, that with the toadstools. It's the same sort of circumstance. There's dead plant material there below the surface. That's what this stuff is growing from. And even though the, you know, the grass seed can come up in great, longevity factor is going to be minimal for several years before you're going to actually get a successful stand of grass in the location where these trees were. Okay, nothing that kills the, you can't use anything that'll kill the fungus and not kill the grass. No, you, basically you can go out if there's a full moon and dance under the full moon and, you know, hope to, you, no, there's really nothing you can do. Okay, all right, all right, we'll just have to live with it, I guess, for a while. It, the interesting thing was, it, 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 when there was just bare dirt there and all, it, they didn't come up. They only came up when we fixed the soil and <laughs> made it. Nicer farm, I guess. <laughs> exactly. They were just, you know, they were there all ready to go, and it's just, you know, you kind of sort of set up the scenario for it. But, uh, yeah, you did not create this thing. The You know, the moisture, yeah, it's going to add somewhat, but it's going to happen anyway regardless of what you would have done. Well, thank you. Yep. Good luck well, with that, Grant. My wife won't have to blame me for overwatering now. No, thank you, she Mike. cannot do that. <laughs> and Pat lives in Alton. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. Thank you for your program. Um, we hadn't been trimming our bushes um, for about four years. I couldn't get anybody to do it. And um, so we did that this week, and I really chopped them down. I knocked out a, a, a I cut down a knockout rose, uh, pretty much, um, two boxwoods, uh, some yew bushes, <clears throat> and an Italian lilac. And um, so I don't know now if I've destroyed them. Um, have I, you know, made it impossible for them to come back? Or can you help me on that? Well, basically with the rose, you should have waited for that for sure. Because you want to wait until it gets cold enough that the rose kind of goes, whoa, it's cold. Then that's when you prune. As I said, in the, I think in the first hour or something, you want to do yeah, that sometime you know, after Thanksgiving, late, late, late in the season. The other ones, it may be a little bit premature, depending upon how much you have cut off. With a lilac, you're cutting off. You're not going to have any flowers on your lilac you know, next year at all. With the boxwood, if you cut off too much, hopefully you didn't cut it back to the point where there's just sticks. And no, very, no. Okay. 
No, I didn't. Okay, so you left some greenery there. The problem is that greenery may not be as tough as the stuff on the end. And again, I go back to the weather you know, circumstance. If we have an extremely cold snap come through, that could kill the stems of your boxwood back even more. So you may end up with just skeletized branching on your boxwood. So with you know, broadleaf evergreens, you should always wait until after we come out of wintertime to prune them. The lilac, you know, basically you want to prune that after it flowers in the springtime and the knockout rose in the fall. But, you know, you did it, it's done, and you're probably glad it's done. And that's kind of, it's unfortunate that you had to wait to find somebody that could actually do it for you. Um, did, did I kill the rose bush, the knockout rose? No, probably not. You know, it but, had uh, grown very, very tall and loppy, and it was uh, bending over on other things. So is it in full sun? Yes. It is. and it's Well, no, not in full sun. It's oh. about half a day. Okay, sun. so that's why it's loppy. But uh, when you can prune it during the growing season if you'd like. You don't have to just let it go and flop over. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So you don't want to prune it back heavily, but you, do, you can prune off the spent flowers and those type things. Okay, well, I hope it doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> you should be okay. Thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Hey, hey guys, this is Alex. And Amy. And we are back with another season of Wendy's Week in Hockey, but now a new time, Monday nights from 7 to 9 o'clock. Join us for Blues Conversation, player and coach interviews, NHL roundups, and more. We'll take you inside the locker room and around the league. All of that comes your way every Monday night on your home for the best Blues coverage, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, by chance, we have one of the celebrities here at KMOX on the line right now. Mark Rudin, how are you today? There is no bigger KMOX star than Mike Miller. I mean, that's just, that's just fake news. Come on. No, thanks for letting me on. Real quickly, I'm at the uh, hair saloon in Baldwin, uh, right at Baxter in Manchester. There's a Deerberg's right there. People know Chris Kerber lives over here. So if he's listening, I'm going to wake him up. Maybe I'll go to his house. But we're uh, raising money for Backstoppers. So you can come in and get Guns and Hoses tickets at this location and at all the locations. And also, if you need a haircut, 20% of the proceeds goes to Backstoppers. There's some T-shirts here. So this is a great event, Mike, as you know, the night before Thanksgiving. Raise a lot of money for the first responders, and Hair Saloon's very involved. So I'm out here for another hour and a half or so. We'd love to see people come by the Baldwin location of Hair Saloon. Or if you want to go to any of the 15 area locations, go to hairsaloon.com. Get your tickets for Guns and Hoses, and 20% of the proceeds today at all the Hair Saloons go to Backstoppers. So I appreciate you letting me on. We're just having fun here trying to raise a little money. I have a question for you. Are you getting a haircut? Well, today I'm not getting a haircut, but I did I did last week. But you can certainly – I'll tell you what I need, Mike. I need a beard trim right now because I get into, uh, I'm, I'm into mountain man mode right now, and they do that at, at um, Hair Saloon as well. How about you? You usually have that crazy hair. Do you need a haircut? Uh, I probably do. Most people would say, yes, you need a haircut. <laughs> That's the Mike Miller. You know, I could be out and about. We've run into one another, and I could just see – the top of your hair, the back of your head, and I know who it is. I know who it is right away. <laughs> well, great. Good luck with that, Mark. And the uh, Backstoppers is a great organization. Well, thank you, Mike. Have a great day. Yep, you Come too. Come see me out here in Baldwin, Manchester and Baxter Road. Thanks, Mike. Perfect. And now let's go from Mark Rudin to Carlisle, Illinois, and that's where Norman lives. Hi, Norman. Hello there. I listen to your program all the time, and you talk about uh, pre-emerge 
or the is that what you call preem? Uh, pre-emergent, preen is one type of pre-emergent. Preen yeah. is one that you use in garden spaces, not on lawn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, is, is there another product? For garden spaces, there's all kinds of pre-emergence. That's just one that, that I've had great success with. That's generally when I give an answer with one specific product is because I've routinely used it and been very happy with the sort of the, let's say, the end results. That's not to say it's the only one by any means. Okay. Now, um, I'm not going to do it immediately because I've got more tomatoes out here right now than most people grow, and uh, I'm not going to pull them up until they freeze. You understand? Sure. But if it's dry enough and I till then, would that hurt next year when you're planting tomatoes? Or like, well, that would be different when you're planting uh, leaf lettuce. Uh, how, how long does that stay in the ground? Basically, it's, you know, kind of a relatively short, like, you know, depending upon how, you know, I mean, the rate you put it down and everything else. But, uh, you know, generally, you know, in edibles, I would read the label to make sure that you can use it with edibles. But uh, unless you have a really major weed problem in your garden space, I wouldn't even bother with it. Well, it's a uh, – what's that little one that, that wants to come back up in August? Well, there's henbit. There's all kinds of cool season weeds, so maybe yeah. that's the one that you're going after. But, uh, you know, that's – you've got to put that down at that time of year. You can't put it down any other time. You know? Okay. So – for the spring, let's say the spring weeds, you put it down when the fourth scythia is in bloom. For the wintertime weeds, so in other words, the spring weeds that germinate, they're warm season weeds. For the cool season weeds, you want to put it down the preen in August, mid-August or so. Okay. The uh, One more thing. Uh, I have pineys out here, peonies, some mm-hmm. people say. I haven't mowed them off yet, and we've been here since... 53 and they still bloom like everything how how soon can you cut them off basically when the foliage starts turning let's say going dormant so once they start turning brown or things like that and you've had great success with them but a reminder to other people with peonies when you cut them don't just let the leaves just drop there because peonies have a lot of foliage problems by just taking it away then you're going to minimize the chances of having let's say spotting and everything else on the foliage of the peonies okay Okay, thank you. Yep, good luck with that, and sounds like Norman is a great gardener. Let's go now to Farmington, Missouri, and that's where Guy lives. Hi, Guy. Good morning. Uh, we have replaced our uh, asphalt driveway, and it uh, left about a 10-inch gap between the new asphalt and our existing lawn, which I'm going to backfill with just some uh, topsoil. Is it too late to put something like a winter rye in there or something to kind of hold that soil until uh, we can plant something else next spring? Winter rye you should be fine with. If you, you know, so I'm assuming you can get the seed, you know, said it's, you know, some kind of seed place in, you know, the Farmington area or wherever it happens to be. But that should be fine, but it's, you know, it's kind of getting a little bit late, but uh, you know, get anything down that you possibly can. Uh, any other recommendations if we can't find that? Uh, I would say any kind of grass seed, you know, bluegrass, cool season grass like fescues, like K31 fescue, any of that other kind of stuff, I would try, you know, something like that. Now, realize that if that's not the kind of lawn you have there, if you put K31 fescue, which is a tough, durable, you know, kind of weedy type grass, you're using it to stabilize, you may have to end up killing it off with an herbicide if it does take good hold. Right. Okay. 
All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. K31s, uh, you know, it's very tough. But uh, winter rye certainly would be my choice. Let's go now to Jim. And Jim happens to live in South County. Hi, Jim. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Mike, uh, we have a, a bed around our house of uh, mums. Uh, do we uh, put down uh, a uh, uh, some um, uh, protection with those mums now, or is that a springtime thing? You mean as far as mulch goes? Mulch, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, you can put mulch down now. Just you only want one to two inches around any kind of perennial plant like that, and uh, okay. you could do it if you want to. You don't necessarily have to. But if you've you know if you've had good success with them in the past, then uh, I would say it's always wise. You know, I just you know mulch not only is an aesthetic thing. I do it for the fact that it helps the soil and also helps with the plants, the soil moisture, and all those factors as well. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, and now let's go to Edwardsville, into Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Very good. Okay, two questions, real quick. I've had a Climbing hydrangea in the ground about nine to ten years, and all it's doing is growing and uh, hasn't bloomed since. Any suggestions on that? You know, the, the hydrangea is not going to be, if, if you've seen the pictures, it's not spectacular in flower. So generally it is actually growing because it climbs very well, has good fall color. The flowering is a little bit iffy. And if you haven't had any flowers, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know why it hasn't flowered. If it has full-size leaves, leaves that have good color and everything else, if the vine looks healthy, why it hasn't? In 10 years, or 9 years, whatever it happens to be, I would say after 3 years you should start seeing, you know, getting some flowers with it. But uh, I can't recommend anything that's going to necessarily make it flower. Okay. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's been in the ground. I've noticed them over at the botanical gardens. They're more bushier than mine. Mine's more viney, and I do have it in the shade. It might get uh, about one hour of sun Ooh. a day in the, you know, early, late evening. Right. But uh, I fertilize it with the the uh, acidic fertilizer right. liquid, and it just... The vine looks really healthy. I mean, it's crawling up the side of my house and on my trellis and everywhere else, but uh, just hasn't flowered. Yeah, it might be the sun factor then, you know, as much as anything. I mean, people, you can grow it on tree trunks and things like that, but the amount of flowering can certainly be regulated or, let's say, initiated or triggered by, you know, sunlight. So even though it's shade tolerant, you know, the sun may be the, you know, the factor because it sounds like you're doing everything else just right. Okay, and the second question, real quick. I have a walnut tree out close to my vegetable garden. I was told by a neighbor that the uh, walnut uh, tree and the walnuts have some kind of a, uh, lack of a better word, some type of a poison that uh, attacks the vegetable plants. Have you heard that? Oh, definitely. Not just vegetable plants, lots of different things. It's called juglans. J-U-G-L-A-N-S, that's a chemical that the walnut tree root systems release, and that's because it doesn't like competition. So it's just not vegetables. It's lots of different kinds of plants can't grow underneath, let's say, the branches of a walnut tree. Okay. So how far away do you, would you recommend that, uh, that uh, I need to grow something under there? 
basically, well, you can go online and just look at plants that can grow underneath walnut trees. So if you want to have something other than vegetables, but anything annual-like is going to have a very, very difficult time. And if you want to try to find out where you want to put your vegetables uh, or whatever type of garden you're talking about, go out and you're going to have to go on beyond the drip line. So in other words, the furthest extension of the branches. That could be why my tomatoes didn't do well this year. Well, this year, some tomatoes had real trouble. Other ones didn't seem to. I'll be darned. Okay, thank you very much, Mike. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about uh, nine more minutes to go. And then after the Garden Hotline is over with at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock brings in Scott Mosby with the KMOX Home Improvement Show. 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. Uh, 3 o'clock, the business of family business. And then at 4 o'clock, Harry Ham is going to be in for a couple hours. So all kinds of different stuff going on today on KMOX. Let's go now to Ed in West County. Hi, Ed. Hello, Mike. Hi. Um, hey, was that fortunate enough to bring back about 100 tulip bulbs from uh, the Netherlands this past week? Great. Um, what's, what, what's the process of getting those in the ground and, I guess, taking them out in the spring, et cetera, et cetera? You don't need to take them out in the spring. You do not? No, you don't. They're hardy okay. bulbs, but probably the, the chances of them coming back year after year after year is going to be minimal anyway, whether you dig them up or not. If you want to dig them up, you can. If you're going to dig them up next spring, just wait till they finish flowering. Wait till the foliage starts turning brown. Then you can dig them up, chop the the foliage off of them, the stem off, and just put them in a paper bag for the you know for until you plant them next fall. Uh, so plant, planting wise, you want to put them about six inches deep, very very well drained soil. They cannot have any kind of moisture circumstance, and also. Um, you know, organic, you don't need to fertilize, you don't need to put all that other, anything in with them, you know, these bulb things and that. Bone meal? Yeah, you don't need to do that. No. If your soil is probably adequate, if it's growing everything, but just make sure the soil is very, very well drained. So that's, you know, crucial. And if you were in Holland, you know, or Netherlands when you picked them up, isn't that kind of a cool place where you just had giant fields of all that stuff? Yes, that happened this past April, I believe, yeah. and it only lasted for about three or four days, but it was it's supposed to be magnificent. Yeah, I I didn't know if you'd been there, but yeah, I you know, Tracy and I actually went with a tour and it was like, Whoa. You always mm-hmm. think of the, the entire country being covered with them, and it's not. It's kind of like you know, growing wheat. Wheat only grows in certain areas. Cotton only grows in certain areas. So it's the same thing there. They only do the bulbs in very specific areas. Well, they have a tremendous amount of agriculture over there, yes. second only to the United States that I understand. Um, so they every square inch over there is planted with something beautiful. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks, Ed. And now let's go to Cottleville, and that's where Owen lives. Hi, Owen. Hello, Mike. How Hi. are you doing? Good. I have a couple of questions. The first question is really a two-parter, probably been asked of you about 100 times or more. But I uh, have a sharp memory, so you get to be my age, that's what happens. When and how often should lawns be aerated? Basically, if, if you want to be a fanatic, you can do it twice a year. That's what the Botanical Garden does. But every other year should be adequate, so that you know, answers that question. Okay, and the second question is, 
I'm sure I won't like the answer that you're going to give me, but I want to ask it anyway. Can parts of tree roots that have grown over the ground be chopped off so you don't mess up your lawnmowers? Uh, people do it all the time. I mean, there, there's somebody actually down the street from me that's actually taking some kind of Bunsen burner or some, you know, some kind of canister gas thing. They go out and burn their, you know, surface rooting off. So it's not the best thing to do, but uh, you know, it does happen. So if the tree's, you know, healthy, then it should be able to survive. Okay, that's all I needed. Then thanks a lot, Mike. Right. I thanks. knew you'd have the answers. Well, great. Well, thanks. Yeah. Eva Jean, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, are you still there? As far as I know. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> um, we had last year some uh, uh, redoing in our, in our front lawn, and I didn't realize when I okayed a couple of these plants how large uh, two of them will get really close to the sidewalk. One, I think, is a, a saucer hibiscus. Is there a a thing <laughs> is that a name uh, it has huge great big red flowers on it and the other is some type of hydrangea not not the usual kind the you know the, the green it, actually they're kind of brownish looking and whatever i wanted to know if i could trim those cuz they are going to grow up to be much too large to be where they are and especially the hibiscus you know cuz i want to make sure it it does bloom again next year right it should blow. I'll tell you what, you can go ahead and spend the rest of your life, you know, sort of doing an annual pruning to keep these things under control. Or you can have a move to some place where you can still enjoy them, but you don't have to prune them. Yeah, I, I, had, I had contemplated that, and I thought it might end up being an expensive proposition. Well, it could be, but, uh, you know, how expensive, you know, mental money and real money, do you want to continually have to battle something that was... Whoever put it in the wrong place, put it in the wrong place. So this is probably like the hibiscus disco bell, you know, which has the huge flowers on it. But, uh, you know, and the hydrangea, I would just get them sort of so they're not headaches every year. I see. But yeah. you can go ahead and prune them. They're both summer bloomers, you know, I'm assuming. So you can prune them if you want to. But it's just going to be a battle, 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 battle. And the hydrangea really isn't a very pretty plant. I mean, it's kind of, well, it's kind of dull. It's kind of brownish, and, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, I love hydrangeas, but he said right. the regular hydrangea wouldn't do well in that position or, you know, in front of the house. Oh. So I went with the other, but I didn't realize I was at... Uh, uh, the White House uh, Retreat Center uh, early in September, and they had one of those hydrangea plants. And my goodness, it's almost as tall as a building. And I thought, oh my heavens, this thing is going to overtake my house. Yeah, there's there's probably like 50 varieties of hydrangeas available. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but some of them get really huge. Some of them stay relatively small, but uh, yeah, so it's you kind of got you know a tough situation. So. Thank you, and now let's go to George in Sunset Hills for our last call. George, could you do it kind of quick? Yeah, just one question. I was out watering today, look at my yard and in the beds, and there's all kinds of, uh, like, mushrooms and spores and stuff. Anything I need to worry about with that stuff? No, it only grows on dead stuff. So either the mulch that you have there is growing on that, root systems from, you know, some of the plant okay. material— mushrooms and all that junk only grows on dead stuff below the surface. It doesn't grow on anything alive. It doesn't attack okay. things, so you don't need to worry about it at all. 
Thank you very much. Yep. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, everybody's this time of year. Now, people will say, well, I see mushrooms growing on the trunks of trees. Well, those trees where the mushrooms are growing on the trunks of the trees has dead wood in there. That's why it's able, the mushrooms are able to grow there. So anything, you know, I mean, there are some really weird looking, you know, funguses and things like that in lawn and bed spaces. And some of them are really horrible where the fact that, they can explode and send spores out all over the place. So when I said in, I think in the last hour, maybe even in this hour, that this stuff doesn't spread. Sometimes it does spread, but it's still when it shoots or starts, you know, the spores get someplace else. It has to have dead material to be able to grow on or else it's just not going to grow on at all. Uh, get out there and still take a look because the cool season weeds are out there and they are growing. So Things like henbit, things like you know annual bluegrass. If you have a zoysia lawn and you go out and look at your zoysia lawn and you're starting to see some really dark green grass growing within your zoysia, that could be the annual bluegrass or it could be something that you don't want. So take some serious thought about getting it under control now because this is a really good time to see, whoa, this is not exactly what I wanted this to be because some of that stuff can be more aggressive, self-seeding, and problematic from the long-term standpoint. So everybody, you know, just have a great day. This is the last really warm day, I hope. You know, and, you know, unfortunately, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.